Attention, please. Eastern Airlines Flight 19, now ready for departure. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're entering the vacation kingdom of the world. There's enough land here to hold all of the ideas and plans we could possibly imagine. We call it Epcot. will be our experimental prototype city of tomorrow. Welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast. Taking you back to the vacation kingdom of the world, the way it was, and the way it is in your memories. Okay, welcome everybody back to episode 10 of the Retro Disney World podcast. This episode is titled Hooray for Floridawood. We're going to take you back to the opening day of the Disney MGM Studios, Studios way back on May 1st, 1989. Uh, I'm your host, Todd McCartney, and with me as always, uh, we've got JT Kuzier. How are you tonight, JT? Good, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good. And uh, how Bowers? Aloha. Aloha. He just celebrated National Tiki Day. So it's that's very right. He's got National uh, Mai Tai Day coming up in a few days, too. That was followed by International Hangover Day. Oh, goes hand in hand. Yeah. All right. And we also have Brian P. Miles with us tonight, as always. Greetings from Pennsylvania. There we go. Brian, you and I got to meet, and you got to meet with Howe over the past month. So You're we actually played. Giving away all of our show yeah, secrets. Show secrets, yeah. Can't let people know. So uh, we also have a very special guest tonight who was there on opening day along with Hal. And uh, so uh, we have to cue the love boat uh, theme here, put his picture in that in that circle. Uh, we welcome to the show. It's Mr. called a porthole, Todd. Port- it was a porthole. That's correct. <laughs> we welcome to the show Mr. Hoot Gibson. How are you, Hoot? I'm special. You are. You are. Welcome. Hi. Nice to be here, guys. Yeah, so Hoot's going to be sitting in for the entire show with us tonight. And uh, before we get to the nitty-gritty of uh, the escapades of, of Howe and uh, Hoot during the uh, first day there at Disney MGM Studios, we're going to get through some of the correction and comments, uh, dialing back to last month's episode, which was uh, on the American Adventure over at uh, Nepcot and World Showcase. Now, Brian, you, you had a correction you wanted to make uh, b- based on uh, one of the small errors we had, correct? Yeah. Well, it's a correction to myself. Okay. Uh, well, as you know, we strive for accuracy. So as I was listening back to the to the episode, uh, listening to myself tell the story of Marty Sklar describing this uh, this moment where Dick Nunes pointed to where American Adventure was and said you have to put it at the back of World Showcase because that's where the weenie is. Uh, I said that I heard Marty Sklar tell that story at Epcot 30. And afterwards, as I listened back, I remembered he wasn't there. Uh, he, he, rec- he, he had an award ceremony the night before in Los Angeles. He recorded some kind of an introduction. And uh, I did meet him. He flew in later that night. Uh, so he wasn't uh, – he either told it in the recorded comments or, uh, or one of the other uh, panelists told the story – but I didn't want any of the 12 listeners who were actually at Epcot 30 to be saying, Brian's full of dung. There's no way that Marty Sklar wasn't even there. So I did remember that afterwards after I listened. I, to I was going to say something, but I didn't want to embarrass <laughs> you because I caught that right away. JT is but, our continuity expert. Yes. Uh, so so. That, that is my correction. All right. Thank you. I know we've got one that I'm going to throw this one over to Hal after I – Hal, I want you to comment on this other one. Uh, we got an email from Rob Herndon. Um, regarding weenies as well. 
And uh, this was that that Adventureland, if we ever notice, doesn't have only has a sign, right? There is the, the weenie is audible, not visual. It's dark. There's a mysterious jungle. You hear strange bird calls, waterfalls, tribal drums, uh, and, and there was no moving weenie. Like you had star jets, you had the riverboat, uh, you had obviously the castle. You look through the castle, you've got the carousel. So, uh, what do you think? I mean, they're. they're I'm gonna. Really <coughs> I'm gonna ask Dave to back me up on this, but I'm okay. pretty sure that yeah, the, tr- the treehouse the tree was house? intended to be the the weenie. Okay. Because if you're standing at the hub, you can see the treehouse peeking up over the top, right? Yeah, I do believe so. And you know what? I also think. You know, back in the day, the the trees and stuff weren't that big. Right, right. And I think the whole tropical serenade uh, uh, pagoda was the ultimate weenie in Adventureland. Before you had the like, stupid carpets yeah, in front of the way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, don't mention that. <laughs> I'll have a heart attack right here. All right, I'm sure. sorry. We we got to save Egypt for the rest of the show, Hoot. I can't do that to you now. No, you're right. And yeah, like to your point, you would come in, you would, you'd come up to the suite, the treehouse, and then as you looked out to the right, you'd see the pagoda, and that would pull yeah, you exactly. into that. Yeah, right, right. So Exactly. A tree, the treehouse was a major attraction at the time, at opening. Right, you right. know, and and it was hard to hide with sapling trees all around it. <laughs> it was right there. <laughs> yep. Well, well, there we go. Well, Rob, Rob Herndon, I appreciate you writing in, and uh, if we find anything else out about it, we'll we'll certainly add it to a future show. We also had two more uh, come in here. Uh, one of them was from Teresa, and uh, this goes also back to the American Adventure. Um, and it was interesting. She found uh, that the that the house or, or store building from the Depression era scene is actually still standing. It's a few hour drives from Virginia, and uh, I, we have, we will post a picture of this. There's a picture of it back in Depression time, the 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 Disney incarnation of it in in the scene, as well as what it looks like now. So just a little bit of interesting uh, history if you're near Virginia. I, I cited that in the episode as my favorite scene in the American Adventure, so now I must go yeah. and find this and, and get my own picture in front of it before it falls down because it's kind of dilapidated now. So, so Teresa, Brian's going to be in touch with you. He wants to know where this is. <laughs> He's going <find> to <laughs> All right, and the other one, uh, we don't have a full name here. This one's from D.W., uh, but they, uh, he or she wrote in that uh, in Kevin Yee's essay, Four Decades of Magic, that uh, Marty Sklar, Randy Bright, and John Hentz's faces are in the post-Revolutionary War celebration parade painting at the American Adventure. Um, and also Rick Rothschild and some other Imagineer silhouettes are still hanging in the foyer. So um, we're going to go hit those down. I believe it. You believe Luke it? Gibson believes that, yeah. <laughs> just just judge them by the three guys you, you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, I believe their 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 heads are probably everywhere in there. So we're gonna, yeah, we got to get some reconnaissance mission out there and uh, get some pictures. Done deal. Saying, yeah. So, all right, well, we'll close up the corrections and comments for this month, and we're gonna move on now to the main topic. So, as we said, the title of this episode is Hooray for Florida Wood. And what does that really mean? Well, Universal Studios Hollywood at the time was an attraction or a theme park where you go in and you actually see the working studio. So you would tour the studio, you would take tram rides, um, you would see the Back to the Future set, you would see the Psycho House, all sorts of other attractions there. And everything it was really to be in a real working studio to see yeah, how... These were like the actual sets from the film. Exactly, yeah. They, when they were done, they put the props out there, prop warehouses and all sorts of all sorts of things. Uh, and there, there was a, a, a general grand vision also to make Florida the, the Hollywood of the East. 
And part of the plan was, uh, from Universal's vision, is to reproduce that experience that you had in California. That is, you know, seeing movies made, riding through sound stages and backlot sets, uh, and bring that same feel and same function to to uh, visitors in, in in Florida. So they began to acquire some land in 1986, and about a year later, or so the park was announced, and with a targeted December 1989 opening. Now, previous to all this going on, or kind of at the same time, Disney had entered into an agreement uh, with 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 MGM. And that happened in 1985, where they received the rights to use different movies and characters and uh, objects and such from the from those films. So, not to be outdone by Universal, now hearing that Universal is trying to bring their their famed Universal tour, so to speak, uh, to Florida. Uh, in 1986, Disney announces that the Disney MGM Studios will be built in Florida at Walt Disney World. The Universal Studios met bunch of delays and ironically Disney wound up beating Universal at its own game and opened its doors on May 1st 1989 so as we said in the beginning we're going to take you back to that day hello I'm Michael Eisner in a great tradition of Hollywood I'd like to welcome you to a major studio sneak preview tonight the Disney MGM Studios theme park will officially open to the public but as the final touches are being put on this wonderful new theme park we're going to give you a glimpse of what all the excitement is about. We're also going to try and give you a sense of what this thing called Hollywood is all about. How and Hoot were there, saw the park in its entirety on that very first day, <laughs> and I'm going to turn it over to them because I think we have a story here, that one for the ages. So not only is this a trip back in time, but uh, uh, I'm sure we've got some great, uh, great little stories to go with it. The way things were at the time, there wasn't a lot of information about this. I mean, Dave and I were in no. college. We were we were huge Dizzy and Epcot fans. And when they made this announcement, there was virtually no information available of what the park was going to be like. There wasn't someone telling you. There was no D23, like, showing you what it was going to look like, what attractions were going to be there. There was virtually no information. There was right. one uh, one pamphlet. Uh, booklet that was handed out at the Disney stores um, that was simply titled a special sneak preview guide to Disney MGM Studios <laughs> and <remember> yeah <laughs> it, it has a, I have one in front of me now it's got some renderings but I mean you can't really tell what's going on um, the uh, the great movie ride is billed as great moments at the movies presented by Sears which Obviously, nice. the name changed and the sponsors changed to Coca-Cola. Everybody's in plaid slacks in the whole ride. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end, you can buy a washer and dryer. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Take the escalator through the movies. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of stuff that ended up not uh, not keeping the name. So like they just they just have it marked off like animation building, Disney Daily's theater, post production, sound stages, special effects. They do mention catastrophe yeah. fan, but it's like you can't really tell what's going on. It was really loose. So when we planned to go on opening day, we literally had no idea what we were going to see. No clue at all. Um, the nope. the television special didn't run until the night that we were actually there. I think it ran the night before opening, so like on April 30th. And then right. and we were actually getting prepared to go. So we didn't see the opening day special. Uh, so we came in there completely blind. When we, when we finally hear from I don't know who, 
oh, somebody called me and said the park's going to open this day. We're like, yeah, let's go, man. Let's go. We got to do this. Drop everything. Yeah, without it even knowing what the hell we were going to see, really, except for the great movie ride. I, I think that's the only thing I really knew they had. For a note of history, Hal and I are the first human beings to ever get free parking at Disney MGM. <laughs> as, we're, the, we're the first guests to ever get free parking because they were afraid we'd get hurt out there waiting in our cars on World Drive. So you want to set that stage? <laughs> yeah, how, we gotta, how, yeah, we gotta find out how this happened. So, <laughs> so we were, uh, so we were going to school in Sarasota at Ringling. Um, Dave's brother lived in Lakeland at the time. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So we headed over there the night before about eight o'clock to get together and prep. And (laughs) I had my car. Dave had his car. I think you drove with your brother. I drove my girlfriend at the time. Uh, I, I love the term prep. It's you're not climbing Mount Everest, but you know you've got a fair drive. Here. Oh yeah, you got. You get knew ready you were going to camp sure. out. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we, the plan was to show up at two a.m. We had no idea what to expect. I think we expected there would be no facilities, there would be no water, there would be no. So we we brought snacks, we brought cokes and waters with us. I actually took an emodium just as a precaution. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like that you're like that crazy astronaut lady that drove across the country in diapers. Yeah, exactly. So I think we left Lakeland about 1 a.m. and drove over to World Drive. Now, back then, the way that you got into Disney MGM was totally different. The um there was no back entrance off by the Swan of the Dolphin. That did not exist. That was just all backlot parking. And then um the there was no extra four-lane road over there that would take you over to Animal Kingdom because none of that existed. You got onto World Drive, and there was a um, a little turnoff that got you under that bridge. Actually, I don't even think the bridge was there. I don't think the overpass no. was even there at that point. No. It just kind of brought you into that same area where those film things are now that kind of have the aerial and the Star Wars characters on them. Um, but that was that was coned off. I just looked, by the way, on Google. I, I just sent a picture from the Florida Department of Transportation aerial photography archive that I have um, from February 12th, 90. And I've been looking at Google Earth here. The furthest I can go back is 95. So somewhere between nine, nine, February 95 and February 1990 is when that bridge was added, when they put in. Uh, yeah, it used to be way lonelier before that. It was just the World Drive. Yeah. And then, and then uh, that little, like, off ramp or not off ramp even just turn yeah and there was no sign or anything no no it was like th- just this way because they still had the very small entrance up on the north side of the of the parking lot but it was just that so we showed up we were probably what the third or fourth car there there was a there was yeah there was one car in front of me okay and then <laughs> you were right behind me and that was it yep when we pulled up and i, I don't know who the hell that dork was that guy's got to be king of Dorkville by now. Yeah, I mean, really, who would get up <laughs> He's that the rainy He's got to be listening. Guys, you know? He's out there going, hey, that was me. <laughs> that was me. I was first. I was there. That was your tweet at Russia. Let us know if you're out there. Mr. X. That was me. So we just got there and kind of pulled off to the side. And we waited and waited and waited. And then... Finally, some security cars would kind of, I mean, literally like every 45 minutes, a security car would drive by. And then finally, one kind of stopped and started hassling us. 
<laughs> I mean, you guys actually want to see this place? Yeah, that. I mean, <laughs> and here's the thing: it had not occurred Here's to them candy. It hadn't occurred to them that someone would actually come and try to get in. You know, to be there for absolutely in right. The morning, you're right. It's weird because yeah, <laughs> it's a new park opening up, and there's three cars sitting out there. World Drive. That's it. Now, supposedly, I think I had read that like people had camped out for Epcot and maybe the Magic Kingdom. So I don't know why they wouldn't expect something and have a contingency. But literally, as the night went on, it became clearly evident that they had no plan at all what to do with people. And they were just literally making it up as they went along. (laughs) So I remember he comes out and he starts hassling us that that it's unsafe. So so Dave does the most responsible thing possible to try to argue his point with the man. And he goes out and he lays in the middle of World Drive. <laughs> with well, yeah, because there hadn't been a car through there in three hours. Just like that Chinese <laughs> you know? guy standing in front of the tanks. Just... Tiananmen Square. Yeah, yeah. 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 there you go. That's yeah, right. and then we were all just laying there and we were like, hey, man, look, there's, there are no cars coming. Man, yeah. how hilarious. So then finally... What four thirty five? They decided to to open it up and let us go into that road finally. So we kind of got moved off down that side road before before the ticket booth where you'd pay, and we're just sitting there. And then suddenly there's this gigantic explosion behind us. And now again, <laughs> yeah. we have no idea what this is. <laughs> oh my god! The place just blew up. We wasted all our time. <laughs> <laughs> So we've, I mean, I don't know if we figured out until later that that was Catastrophe Canyon and they were cycling testing it to see what yeah, was going actually, on. Yeah, actually, once we saw it go off like 10 times, then we go, this must be planned because a place can't blow up 10 times in one night. <laughs> Michael Eisner's here. If it's not That's his purpose. entrance. <laughs> and by now we got us a convoy going in. Yep. We have, you know, we started out as three cars and now we got six. So we got six cars lined up waiting to get in. This new GM hundred percent increase there. Yeah. yeah, and one of them, <laughs> one of them was a family of what, like four? That uh, yeah, they, that's they, right. they that's were trying right. to be the first family. That that was their shot. So so then it became our mission mm-hmm. to make sure that that family became the first family. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we took that on. So, but again, we now we were sitting over in that side road for like another two hours oh i don't know man yeah yeah and then i think finally around 5 30 or 6 they let us drive in for free into the regular parking lot and they parked us like in the furthest part of the parking lot possible away from the entrance (laughs) now now what time was it supposed to open i know after it opened you know they were doing these special openings at like 6 30 and 7 what time was the official grand opening do you know I think it was nine. Yeah, nine o'clock. It was a nine. Okay. Yeah, and I think we knew Eisner was going to do the de- the dedication at nine that morning. So so we sat in the parking lot and they had you know like the cl- the lights the spotlights going back and forth and you could kind of see buildings off in the distance. It's like oh hey we're getting close something's going on there. And then like about <laughs> six thirty a.m. they started parking cars of people that had just shown up like way up Slappers. in front. Yeah, we were like the Griswolds, man. We were in the back. <laughs> but you got to run, too. We, we totally got ripped off. Yeah, okay, guys, we got to remember, front, though. We couldn't get close to it. The back of the parking lot then is <laughs> the middle of it now. Yeah, and security <laughs> wouldn't even let us get out of the cars and approach it until after, like, there were a whole bunch of people, like, already parked and, like, headed up to the ticket booths. Uh. Oh, I remember telling that one security guard that was standing there messing with us, and I said, 
but we got to be outside our cars because I, I'm I'm a smoker. I need to smoke. I said, my little brother is allergic, so I can't just sit in my car. Oh, okay, you can get out. And then I was like, well, you don't understand. My little brother's got to pee at some point. Oh, okay, you guys can walk around. <laughs> yeah. That's right. They actually wanted us to stay physically inside the of the cars for oh. the entire like six hours we were waiting so so yeah so finally they let after they had let a whole bunch of people in they they let us walk over to the ticket booths and that's oh. when we first discovered that we needed to actually buy tickets in or- order to get in or at least exchange tickets because i had a two-day ticket from epcot and the magic kingdom so i had to go to guest services in order to exchange that for a new ticket that had uh, the Disney MGM like stuff on it too. Yeah. Did so they know what they were doing later. at that ticket booth? How like are we? You kind of like a like a pioneer? Like they're like whoa whoa whoa. No, this guy? they were actually they were actually trained for that, and there were there were okay. quite a few people doing that too. So because there was no opportunity yep. to do it ahead of time. So yeah, and Dave, I think you had. You had some ticket where you didn't have to do that, but I had to change mine, I think. I just looked this up in 1989. Now, I don't know if this is pre or post opening. A adult resort guest was $78 for a three-day adult. Mm. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I might have, a one-day ticket was 29 I might have had to update my two-day to a three-day because there was no such thing as a three-day pass right. until, and then I had to do the full upgrade at that point. And we were still in the stamp system back then too, right? This was oh, still, yeah. mm-hmm. still Still the rubber stamp. So. That's right. And you guys, everybody's got to remember, we're talking 1989. Me and Hal had no money. Right. We were in school. We had no money. I think I lived off of $5 a day, and that included a pack of cigarettes and a big gulp, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So I was starving to death. None of us had any money. And the fact that we even made it that far was a miracle. Hobnobbing with Bob Hope. Yeah. 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 At this time, if Dave and I went to the park, we were probably bringing in like a bag lunch and eating a peanut butter sandwich on the Wedway People Mover. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, there's no definitely. sharing a hot dog at Coke Corner. Which <laughs> yep. Is not Corner. Sleep, sleep, camp, camping, camping out in the ruins condiment. of Roy's cabin. <laughs> yeah, we used to get extra condiments and dump them all on there so we'd have something to eat. <laughs> Making a meal out of the sauerkraut and Casey's. Right. So what happened after you got your ticket? You guys got, and then like, were you allowed to go right through or how did that work then? So then we, yeah. so then we went up to the turnstiles and we, we, we actually saw that family that, uh, that we were hoping to, would be the first family. And then we saw Eisner on the outside of the gates with some handlers and he was going around and he like, cherry picked the first family out of the crowd and i and i think we even tried to like stop somebody and say like these people were out here since like two in the morning (laughs) they didn't care Uh stay away from michael well it's interesting because it just occurred to me this would be the first park he actually opened yep that's true yeah that's Uh, right you know on during his tenure i mean he opened a whole bunch after that but this is the first like park inaugural that he was doing now, there's another call to action if you're that first family that was the real first family we'd love to hear yeah. your perspective yeah not the this. not the cherry picked one we not the one that eisner yeah. picked yeah. The they've, real all, they've all died of a broken heart oh <laughs> man that's that's amazing how you remember that because uh, yeah now i remember like, like it was yesterday all of a sudden <laughs> they were they felt gypped yeah, and you're yeah. Like, hey, absolutely man. While this was going on, we were still all behind the per- the turnstiles. They had not let anyone in at this point. So they pulled them out. Eisner went up to get ready for uh, to give his speech. And we were kept outside a little while. So then once he finally got up to the place where he would do the dedication, they opened up the gates. And I think... 
Dave turned to me and said, do you want to see Eisner talk? And we both kind of said, nah. And we just. Oh. <laughs> totally now, now, draw this picture for me here. Was the I'm picturing like, you know, the area in the turnstiles. Was it like wall to wall, like New Year's Eve tile, style crowd? Or could you like move around or. It, it was pretty it was busy. Pretty packed. Yeah. They had us all locked outside the turnstiles with these iron gates. Yeah. And Bob, Bob Hope and Eisner were like right behind the gates. But it so felt like the, you were at Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Before Gene Wilder <laughs> right. let was, you was in. Was the dedication, yeah, yeah. was the dedication on the outside of the turnstiles or actually inside the turnstiles in the park? Inside. Inside. Okay. You got to watch him and Bob Hope right there. So whether or not it was a, the official dedication, I don't know. We were we were just like, what's going on here? You guys at this you point know? are just jonesing to get in, right? You know, yeah, oh, we, we want to do something. Yeah. Too. So I mean, so where'd you go first? You, how did you get around that? Because there's only like that one path, yes. right? Okay, so let me just say this: it's it's now nine a.m. The sun is up. We are hot. We are tired. It's like we've been <laughs> up for hours. So yeah, we just want to freaking do something. <laughs> <laughs> and and we have we got we may have picked up a park map but we like literally had no idea what anything was so we just said we're just going to go as fast as we can up the street uh duck through the stores if we have to in order to get past the crowds and whatever the first attraction that we see is that is where we're going yep with air conditioning exactly so we walked as fast as humanly possible up hollywood boulevard and we should note Sunset Boulevard didn't exist then, right? Right, right. right. So you went once you went in and straight and went to the Monster Sound Show. Goes, yeah, you just went straight until you hit the left to go. Almost, JT. Almost. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, right? almost. Straight up to Superstar Television. Ah, yep. All right. Okay. All right. Television. And we were probably we were literally, I think, the first people in that concrete pit of a queue. That was a bizarre outdoor pseudo covered and like you said it was a pit it was on this what 20 degree pitch yeah, maybe it's it's, a, it's just a giant slope down yeah it, it, it we're very odd if you never really created something like that before and it's 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 covered but still open air with some fans blowing yeah it. i wonder it's if, like you take cattle down there it's gonna be a sarlacc pit now watch you know what <laughs> yeah so okay. here's so here's my bet because of the way that was configured I bet that was the loading dock for the thing, and then they just turned it into the waiting area when <laughs> yeah. it was done. Yeah, well, I agree with that. That's probably one hundred percent true. I also thought too, if you if you noticed on it, there, it was a ramp down, but to the left side, it evened out, and the pitch matched the pitch of the feeder. So you you went right to the left of the doors that opened, so it actually matched the pitch of the feeder. So you were bought in. You were already lined up to go into a feeder. And now, Sony proudly presents. Live from the Disney MGM Studios, it's Superstar Television! Don't touch that dial. It's television history in the making on Superstar Television. Superstar Television. Featuring your favorite stars, your favorite shows, and you, the talented members of our studio audience. There are probably other people who have never seen Superstar Television or have only. So the concept of Superstar Television uh, is that they had scenes from like famous television shows like Cheers and The Tonight Show and The Three Stooges. Gilligan's Island. Gilligan's Island. Lucy. 
And they, they had these little things set up on stage. They would pick people out of the audience. It was an audience participation show. They would run clips of the show, and then they would have a tiny little slice of a set that was made to look like that show set. And then they would cut in, in video, like the person who was the volunteer out of the audience and put him into the show. And it was about 20 minutes long. And so they would they would have someone come up as if Johnny Carson was interviewing him and they would go back and forth. It was like sometimes a kid, I think, like in and a I, baseball suit or something. I remember yep. seeing it and I, I always thought it was it was really funny. I mean, it was done well. And was there any green screen? I mean, I think the, it was because some I can't, of it. I can't remember. I, I yeah, what I, what I find either. interesting about it is if you, if you look at the, the technology back then, you look at it and you go, oh, wow, it's just not, nothing but a bunch of well-timed cuts and well-placed yeah. lines, right? That's all it was. It was good. The yeah. hilarity of it was the people off the street as you're going to talk about screwing things up. Right, exactly. But, they um, would make a mistake. or Right. Now, now today, kids walk around and make movies on their smartphones, so that this concept is just, you know. Where, where was this now? Where is this now? What's right there? Is there anything there? It was uh, American Idol now, yeah, wasn't it? in the yep, American yeah. Idol studio. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah, it's, it's vacant now, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. I think they're getting ready to put a, I don't know, allegedly Frozen or a Star it, Wars something in there. And I think <laughs> during, during the holidays, they bring back the uh, the Comedy Warehouse improv oh, yeah, group yeah. to do shows in there just to eat up people. Mm. So you guys did that? You didn't get picked? You just got to watch? Well, no. So the person no, kept, no, no, yeah. So they were yeah. acting like, oh, I need someone who's strong or whatever. And then the lady says, I need someone who can really take it on the chin. And then. Yeah, and you raise your hand. You're yeah. like, me. And they all we, pointed yeah, at me. Him. So I got pulled up. So I got pulled into the first group of people that ever got that did superstar television. Wow. Fresh costumes. Yeah. So I got pulled backstage with a group of people, uh, you know, super dark back there. Uh, there was a host that sort of like took each person off to an individual spot to do a little bit of prep and give them their lines and stuff. So I, I get pulled over to this little tiny refrigerator and they open it up and it's filled with these pies. <laughs> Like there's there's pie shells on like three racks and then whipped cream in the door. Everything and, with you and Disney comes back to pies. It does. It really it does. It does. Yeah, it's pies again. We got, we need a guy who bought pies if at like Buena Vista. If you've listened to the first ten episodes, it's always about the pie with Hal. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Mainly his parents and the infatuation with the pie shop I'm at Lake sure. Buena Vista. Um, so how it goes up there? Yep, yep. And lay it on, man. We're out in the audience. We're watching, and and all of a sudden, there's how. So so the scene is a Three Stooges thing, and it's a pie fight between the Three Stooges and like a bunch of like uh, nicely dressed people in tuxedos. And my line is to: I have a pie in my hand. <laughs> I step forward to the mark and then say, "Your pie, sir." And then <laughs> off stage, someone throws a pie in my face, and yeah, and hits him right in the face. Yeah, and then cut, and then that's the scene. <laughs> you're you're in the audience. Like, was this exciting? Like, was this like crazy oh, yeah. cool? But we thought it was great. He was the first paying guest to ever get hit in the face with a pie at Disney MGM Studios. We thought it was hilarious. Of course, we were punch drunk and tired. We were like, anything's funny now. Terrible. Look at Howard. <laughs> and I liked it because the pie was ice cold and I was so hot that it was just refreshing. <laughs> More pie in my face, please, yes. sir. <laughs> I was like, can I get right again? In the guidebook, it says, and each guest will get to keep a videotape of their performance. 
and they didn't give you no tape. No, in fact, you weren't Remember even that? you weren't even allowed to tape yeah. it because so of, we said, "Hey, where's the tape?" And the lady was like, "Oh, um, I'm sorry. Okay, next next group." <laughs> right, because there were like, there were licensing on. issues with all of those shows because yeah. They, yeah, I'm a stickler for detail. And I was like, well, it says right here. <laughs> <laughs> he deserves a date. Could you Where's see Bob the rest Hope? of the I show complain. backstage, How? No, no. I could only no. really see my thing, and that was it. So so they didn't even have TVs or anything to show you what, what else was going no, on? No, in fact, I didn't even see the sh- the actual show until I went back again like a year later, and wow. we like tried again. So you, so you the- got to see <laughs> one-tenth of it from the... <laughs> Yeah, first person view, and that's it. That's <laughs> but I was cold, so it was okay. So, so we get out of Superstar Television, and then I think the next thing we did is we just went right next door to Monster Sound Show because it was there. Yeah, and I think most yeah. people did the right. That I mean, you, the exit was practically dumped you out right next to the entrance, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, and there we go again. We're going clockwise, you know, just yep. like Magic Kingdom. Now I'm curious. When you came out, did you notice was the park any more crowded? Was anything else going on, like opening day festivities, anything like that, or was it just business as usual? It was definitely cra- more crowded when we came out because by that time, oh, yeah. Eisner's thing was over. The like opening stuff was over, so that whole crowd it'd been you know 25 minutes, so the crowds had moved out. So yeah, it was it was starting to get busy now. Later on, it, it was a disaster. Later on, there was just too many people. Oh yeah, there was a wait everywhere. But, uh, Fifteen minutes for Monster Sound Show, maybe. I and think. that's when <laughs> Letterman was the uh, the open. The, I shouldn't say opening act, but in the preview area where you were standing there in the queue, Letterman was giving some top ten list, right? Yep they they had a custom so, top yeah. ten list that he did. He interviewed. Uh, they had a clip from the old show where he interviewed Jimmy McDonald, the sound guy. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One, two. Monster Sound Show! Very good. Did we get that, Dave? <laughs> sure did. Would you like to hear it? I sure would, folks. This is Dave in our control room. Everybody wave and say hi, Dave! Hi, hi Dave! Dave's going to be our engineer today for the... Monster <laughs> Sound Show! A lot of people think that's just... So, oh my God. so let's see. So Monster Sound Show was Martin Short and who was the other... Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. Chevy right. Chase was yeah. in it. Yeah. yeah, that was actually pretty. That was that was fairly entertaining of a show. It was it was inventive too. I mean, the the, the idea was that they picked what two, three people. Oh it was no, quite like a few. Ten. Was there it more? Was, was yeah. it ten people? Okay. Yeah. So all similar, those different devices. Instead of, instead of performing like in superstar television in a television show, the the uh, individuals would go up and and be asked to perform certain sound effect tasks. And I think also what made it funny too is that you know if you were in charge of thunder. They also gave you something to do, but it was five feet away. And when yeah. your cue came up, you had to kind of run back and forth. So it obviously always ended in some sort of off-timed uh, sound effects. And some people did really well with it. There was somebody I remember using shoes to walk on gravel. And the film was what? It was like a kind of like a horror Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah he was going up to an old haunted house or something. That's right. He was a salesman. He was a traveling right? salesman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or no. Yeah. And then they have uh, they would show these uh, other salesmen that he had killed, like he strangled the vacuum cleaner salesman <laughs> by right. wrapping his neck up in the hose of the vacuum. So there is a post show, um, two post shows. One is they had some they had like a video of Jimmy McDonald and some of his uh, contraptions that he did for sound effects. So you yep. can kind and of he has a cool Hawaiian shirt on. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, you know, that was the really inventive part, the stuff that he came up with. And then I think you can get into where you used to, you'd be able to play with the stuff afterwards. Right, it was, exactly. Yeah. It was amazing. You know, he would show how he cracks celery for like a punch to the face, right? Or 
<laughs> drop yep. spaghetti or something, and that would be things you just would never expect. So yeah. it was, it was a very that's timeless, right? You could still do that. that those foley artists are still being used today in today's uh, films, and yeah, and, and he would make all these little weird mechanical crap contraptions with like cranks and stuff mm-hmm. to do the sounds, which is yeah, which is really really inventive. Um, the so wind, like one, the wind sound, yeah, with the, the big canvas uh, belt on that big wheel, yeah, right, right. on that big wooden wheel, and it sounded just like wind. And thunder was like what? It was just a piece of steel hung by a string sheet metal kind of yeah just, yeah, yeah wobble it. the thing back and forth yeah all right how about a big hand for all of our folding artists sam jack michael and tim now if you'd like to try some more of our sound effects please visit soundworks on your way out and on behalf of sony dave and i would like to thank you for helping us to create a now please wait till the theater has come to a complete stop and then gather up then there was also this thing called sound stations where you would go into these little soundproof booths so so you go into the little soundproof room and put on headphones and then uh, they recorded this whole thing with binaural audio and the story is that you're this uh this new studio executive who's brought up into this suite and a bunch of people come in to like talk to you and do, to do different things so like a guy comes in and gives you a haircut and it, and it sounds and feels like your hair is getting cut uh, there's like some crazy secretary with one of those high squeaky Brooklyn accents that talks to you. There's a guy who has, uh, who shoots arrows and he's shooting arrows through the room and it kind of feels like it's whizzing by your head. And then finally at the end, uh, the big cheese himself, Mickey Mouse comes in and, and talks to you and gives you your ears. And it actually kind of sounds and feels like a pair of Mickey Mouse ears are being put on your head. And I have to say, the reason they turn the lights off in there is just to increase the sensitivity of the hearing sense, right? To blacken out your your other ones. And it was yeah, it was very imp- it was a three dimensional sound. And again, let's go back to the time. It's 1989. What are you used to listening to? Just plain stereo, right? But the the feeling of something going around the back of your neck with clippers and and feeling the buzz, it, it was very very impressive for the time. Yeah. Now I- Howard, here's this. And he, he's amazed by it. So he goes home, and by going to Radio Shack in a, what, a wig store? Yeah. You use this styrofoam wig head, and you hook these microphones to the thing's head. But then Howard takes this thing to Disney World and records all these rides. But it sounds like you're really there. He duplicated that same thing with Radio Shack Parts, <laughs> which was amazing. He, he did a, um, a Horizons ride through. And you swear to God, you shut your eyes, you're right there on the ride. So how is not only the first person to get a pie in the face, but he's also no. the first person to carry a styrofoam stylus head yes. through the park. And yeah. in fact, <laughs> on the one recording, the girl says, what is that? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, oh, it's a, what, what did you say? It's just a microphone <laughs> or something. <laughs> So but that does. But guy, I think that makes you the first audio archivist. Yeah, in yeah. the parks. The guy was a genius. He. Th- these are going to be some of the audio rewinds. I think at some point, right? How? Yeah. Oh, we, I agree. We've. Used, I think they already have been. We've used. Well, not some from of them. the. Not, that's not from the styrofoam head. I can't wait to hear the tales of the styrofoam head. And I have. I oh have, man, wonderful. I have some of them up on my website because yeah, I think I did some research and I saw that those microphones cost like twenty thousand dollars at the time. And I was just like, well, that's not gonna yeah. happen. So there's wait. a little history for you. This guy, yeah, man. We were so where'd you guys head next? What uh, JT's chomping at the bit for Indiana, but I don't know if that came next, did it? I don't think we did that until evening. I I was thinking right. we probably headed back over to the animation courtyard to the the studio gate arch and that courtyard because mm-hmm. we wanted to do something yep. over there. 
Yeah, and this he hooked a left. We've we've walked past the great movie ride. We have we at this point we haven't even figured out that the entrance to that ride is there. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know that marquee has always been kind of. Hidden, you know, it's it's of. actually more apparent at night with it lit up than it is during the day. Yeah, we had no clue. So we, so yeah, so we went to Backlot Express, and uh, it's just we walk in and it's literally just filled with stuff and some of it is like fake prop stuff but a lot of it is stuff that's actually pulled from disney attractions and it looks like from the imagineering warehouse and we probably spent a good 10 20 minutes just like walking around looking at all the things that were stuck to the wall because yep. uh you know well part, the first part of it is supposed to be like a like a stunt thing so it's like a bunch of things that have to do with like stunt people and the the vehicle that the stuntmen uh, from Roger Rabbit used is just like sitting over in the corner. It's like yes. this weird little motorcycle thing, and you can crawl on it. There's no signs like keep off it, whether you can just, <laughs> it's just there. And, and then, you know what? A lot of people don't realize all the stuff that's actually in that restaurant still. I mean, there's there's molds from Pinocchio ride at Disneyland. Yep. That's you just know, all and um, yeah, just all these little bits and pieces. Like, there's a full-scale um, diver from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea at the Magic Kingdom, and he's still in there. Oh, he is. It's a plaster, you know, it's a plaster uh, positive if, in case you ever need to make a mold off of it. Right. And he's still standing there. It's really weird how much great stuff is in that little place. So they essentially they had all this stuff in storage. Some of it may have been left over from creation of the park itself because they had all those empty paint cans and used paint brushes and signs and all sorts right. of crap, right? And really kind of created this really I, – I, I enjoyed eating there because it was always something to look at, right? You always would find something. It had kind of a whitewashed feel to it too, right? Because I think the ceiling was all painted white, right? It was kind of mechanical and industrial in a way too with – Yeah, yeah it's like industrial. a shop. Yeah, very industrial, yeah. Remember when World of Motion was torn down at Epcot, all that stuff wound up at the studios. Like all the props and wagons and vehicles and heads all wound up over there. As though they were part of a movie. If the picture isn't being painted yet, right? We, we said earlier that Universal wanted to create their ride through the movies. And we're going to talk a little bit about that certain type of ride at Disney MGM. But we're already now seeing Backlot. You guys have pointed out that this wasn't from a movie. This wasn't from a movie. This was just leftover. You know, this was from an old ride. Yeah. So a lot of it was the was illusion, right? Again, again. Going back to what Universal wanted to do, wanted to create a real working studio. So, just for our listeners' sake, keep keep that in mind as we progress through a couple of these other attractions. Um, you know that you're, you're supposedly in in the movies, right? Yeah, at a, so, at a working studio because that's what they intended at some point and what they wanted you also to believe, which has been my gripe over the years. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to one part that I get I really get angry at in a little later, but <laughs> so I think from there we probably said okay let's go see something so we walked back across the park through the studio gate arch to i think we probably went to do the the uh, magic disney animation next the tram tour as well as yes. the animation tour both loaded from that courtyard mm -hmm. and right. people coming off of the the post-production tour attached to the tram tour would come out there as well so it was just a giant crowded mess. And again, that was all to the theme of you going into the studio. 
right? You'd go under that arch, then you'd go inside that courtyard, and then you'd go into that queue area that snaked you back and forth before you're going to get on your tram. But it was all, you're now entering the studio, you're you're leaving the theme park, you're going to come behind the scenes to where nobody should be. That's true. I, I imagine <laughs> that would be the case, but I never felt that way. No, no, that's of funny. course you did. That's funny you say that. Back to my whole point earlier is that. <laughs> yeah, that's funny you said that. That's the first time I've ever heard that in my life. But there's. Oh. Like you were entering the studio part. Right. You know, right. Well, but, and actually, if you look at the design of the buildings too, those were all those buildings along where Pixar places now were all studio look, whether they were facades or not. Yeah, all had that right. look. Now, well, and at that time, you couldn't even go back there. You couldn't. You couldn't go back there, but they all had that studio look. The Mickey Mouse stuff was all back there. Mickey Mouse Club, rather. But you know, you, you may not have fooled everybody, but you know, th- th- you would have fooled the McFarkles. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know what you're right because you, you you came there and it even like the back lot um, yeah the the restaurant there the soundstage restaurant was off to the right um, I think we probably wandered in there that day we may not have eaten there and they had the sets from the movie Big Business in there yep that's right so you would so you could that was kind of like your thing and then uh, up on top of that was the catwalk bar which uh, yeah was, that's right we were like they serve alcohol here what. <laughs> So I think we did the animation tour then, which, uh, I mean, we won't go into great detail about the animation tour, but yeah, just for for our listeners sake too, there's a lot of things we're touching on tonight. Um, we are going to go through a lot of these in, in more detail in future podcasts, as well as the whole concept and design behind the studio. So we probably should have opened with that, but, um, you know, we really wanted to get a good picture of what opening day was like and how, how little was there. So, and, and how it's matured from today so stay tuned yeah stay tuned for more 2017 (laughs) you'll hear more exactly i mean i will i will say you know dave and i were both huge disney animation fans so when we walked in there and they started to run back to neverland with robin williams and really good animation and walter cronkite we were just like holy crap this is walter cronkite here at the disney animation studio today we'll have a unique look at how their films are created well, sir, you sir there. Yes, sir. Could you give us a little help today? Oh, yes, sir. Well, you're, wait a minute, you're Walter Cronkite. That, and that's the way it is. Hold on, Walter, can you just a moment? <laughs> How you doing? Name's Robin. Nice to be, but you can call me Chuck. <laughs> Robin, what's your favorite Disney film? I'll be honest, Walter, I think Fantasia has a certain Fellini-esque kind of quality, but my real favorite is Peter Pan, boy. I mean, Never Never Land. Oh, little pixie dust and you can fly, you know? Today, you can visit Neverland. Oh, Walter, don't pull my leg. In order to demonstrate the animation process, we're going to turn you into an animated character. Does this mean I'm only going to have three fingers? You know, Ro- Who Framed Roger Rabbit was was out. That was uh, right. that was and a was deal. omnipresent in the park. Yeah, Roger Rabbit. Oh my God, that was everywhere. Right, you had those boxes everywhere you looked. It was yeah, oh yeah, the the Barbara uh, Acme factory there gone. We all got under the dip machine or the the, bull- <laughs> the bulldozer. bulldozer. Like we're getting <laughs> smashed. All right, so animation and and. Uh... You used to walk into walk into this building, and uh, outside you'd see like kind of like what they have today, where they had some pre-production artwork, and then you would go in and you get this little movie set up to you, and then they would take you around from section to section. So you'd start off and see you know where the animators work, and there'd be a little television that ran over that section, and they would exp- they sort of explain the animation process, and you'd see like real live animators working, and then there was a section about storyboards, and they'd explain that, and you'd see storyboards uh, hung up on the wall. 
And as productions were going through there, it would change. It's like one day we walked in and it was like the Lion King storyboards were up there for the I just can't wait to be king <laughs> section. Do And no photography or anything like that was allowed because obviously you were actually seeing stuff before it came alive. And um, I remember walking through. They had the multiplane camera there too, right? That was that was set up on the Yeah, side. that's right. Yeah, I remember seeing that. That was it, always... Actually, the first thing you saw was the story room when you walked in there and they had artists from, you know, all over animation come in and sign the walls. Oh yeah. And that's something to not forget because I think it's still there. You, you know, John K Run and Stimpy drew that big Ren on there and uh, hmm. just all kinds of any, anyone that could come in and teach these guys or talk to these guys, they'd have them sign the walls. And that was the first room you saw through the glass when you came in. That's right. So I, I, I hope it's still there. Hell, I haven't been out there forever. They just run you through. They had a, a computer section set up. Um, and I think that's where I saw the very first Pixar animation computer before Pixar was a, a company. Really? Like they actually yeah. had one of the black Pixar computers sitting there and they were running some stuff on that. And this is back when they would just be like, literally, it's like we saw a tin toy like on VHS <laughs> from a yeah. tape of stuff from Seagraph because that was you know, the latest and the greatest. So we got through there and got out the gift shop. And then maybe we did, we probably tried to, to get onto the trams then to do the, to do the backlot tour. Cause it was right there again. It's the like, Oh, it's right there. Let's just do right that. Right there. You go right back into the <laughs> same way you entered. Yeah. yeah. So it's one thirty-two o'clock in the afternoon. The sun is beating down. It's still hot. It's super crowded. We <laughs> made our way onto the tram tour. So um, so those, when you're walking into that, that area, the huge arches, you used to pass, uh, through the middle of the building that was there, the animation studio entrance would be on the immediate right. And you'd kind of go through the middle. I don't think there's anything there. It was there two years ago or a year and a half ago, I think. And I, I went back there and all of the queues on that diagonal were still there. They were still there. So you used to queue up for the, tra- and actually wow. you can kind of see where the curb was, mm. where the trams used to, used to pull up. And again, you were entering into the studio. So, yeah. And I, think know, that, yeah I think there were some like Duratrans bat- backlit displays with some yeah. photos as you were going back through. I, I they think- had movie posters and yeah. all sorts of upcoming. So we got on the tram and started, started to take that tour. Uh, and at this point, I think we're probably just starting to drag from just all day in the heat. <laughs> what Lack time is this sleep. about? One, two o'clock? Or? It's got to be. Oh, about, my God. Yeah, probably. Probably easily two in the afternoon. So they start taking us. There wasn't there wasn't much to see back then. They would kind of take you just around the loop to get you out and through and then down into the wardrobe building. Warren Beatty, detective suit from his production, Dick Tracy, do out this fall. Julie Andrews, costume from the classic Mary Poppins, Captain EO spacesuit worn by Michael Jackson, and some of the co-stars of Who Framed for the South Station. Now take a close look at these guys, because they're the only people I know that can make a scene and then get paid for it. Now, did, were there plywood. workers in the wardrobe? Were they in there? Like when you go through that tunnel? Yeah, there were people in there. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the one thing that had survived from the beginning of that tour. You, They always took you through wardrobe. Right. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's and the, the scenic shop. The right? scenic shop, right, right. Yeah. Which was no longer making scenes by the end. They were just hey, that was here. actually functional for a long time. Right, right. And there was but another again, go- Yeah, there was another room in between there too where they had like lighting equipment to rent out to the productions oh, that would yeah, come in. Right. They wanted you to believe yep. that this was the, the warehouse for the lights and, yeah. and different material. All the Panavision cameras. Yeah. Yep. So then uh so then after the wardrobe and the scenic shop, 
you pulled onto Residential Street and you saw the house from the Golden Girls. And oh, Herbie. Yeah. yeah, and Herbie, and finally. Herbie. Remember Herbie? And yeah, the, empty nest, the empty nest house. Of course, next time you see the house on TV, you'll be completely covered in snow. We do have one resident on our street, and that's Herbie the Love Bug. He's up a bit early this morning. Good morning, Herbie. As you can tell, he's forgotten. And how many people it takes to take even a 30-second commercial. Take a quick glance at your left, because that's the Golden Girls house. It's the beige one. Yeah, those shots are then sent to California where the rest of the show is shot on a soundstage. But that was the great delight after after all that time of not seeing anything, doing anything, the, to see the Herbie in the front yard that like spun its wheels. And, yeah, like, smoke came up. Actually did yeah. something. We were like, yep. thank God, something actually happened. <laughs> Herbie. And what, what again what killed me, and again my bone to pick was this: like, and this is where we shoot the outside scenes of the Golden Girls. And I'm thinking it's been on the TV before, right? It had already been running a couple of years. <laughs> you reproduced what you shot in California, and then said this is where we do the outdoor shots. You, you never saw any of the many outdoor shots. Everything was canned. So that got my goat. Back. Now there was one house there that they did use for a movie for real. Yes, see, that's right. It's like Ernest goes to camp or something. Like that. No, er, <laughs> well, er, Ernest saves Christmas. Oh, you so, got all right, the, see, I got so, it. Just move it, Todd. How dare you? I got yeah, the wrong, wrong one. Right. I, I do want to say they did shoot after they built the the back lot. They did shoot the exteriors for the Golden Girls there for a few years. Once it was oh, built, okay. okay. So. It was used. They did do a couple extra. So for the people that went on that backlog tour, like, I don't know, what year did the houses disappear? Like, they weren't there forever. Well, when they built the lights, motors, action. Yeah, yeah uh, like, they was were. only a handful of years ago. So, so it, well, yeah. yeah. That was it. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I think that was, like, 2000, 2001 they took them right. down. So 15 and, uh, years ago, this, if you haven't yeah. ridden since 2000, those houses haven't been there. Yeah, they were there for, they, I mean, they were there for a long time after the show was off. Yeah, they were there. The, the whole thing was there. And uh, if you never experienced the Osborne lights when they first came to the studios and they were, they decorated the whole, all the houses on residential oh, street. That's right. That was, that was a terrific oh, yeah, way yeah. to see that, but yeah. you'll have to stay tuned to the Christmas episode to hear right. all about that. <laughs> they pull you sort of through the boneyard member was like um, the thing from flight of the navigator. That was it. <laughs> That was the whole. That was it. Right? Some plywood laying there. Yeah, and he said, "Oh, that's that plywood's from uh, <laughs> Family Robinson or something." For desert skip, but I was using the opening sequences of Return of the Jedi. The silver pod is from the Flight of the Navigator, and just beyond that, that land speeder is from The Empire Strikes Back. Now beyond these and across the canal, we'll give you another perspective on residential street. And I just decided they just build one here. And then into Catastrophe Canyon. So then we finally got to see what all the explosions were about. And then the tram pulls you out, and then you go back into the 
into the the sort of the New York back lot. I, I think they did have the San Francisco section. So they were, let me. I'm going to do a quick look up and see if they actually used like the streets of America at that point or not. He's um, got his old trusty uh, guy. And now this was technically when you drove by, you the, you couldn't walk there. No, right? you no, just you only couldn't walk. To see. And there was also a weird thing that they used to say on the tour. I, I went on it in in May nineteen. Um, I'm sorry, August 1989, so a couple months after Howe and, and, and Dave. Um, I remember that you used to pull up on one side of, of the back lot, and they'd say, see this church? It, it has a country feel to it. And then you go around, you do Catastrophe Canyon, they show you all the water pumps in the back, and this house as you come around back to the streets, and you're like, see the church? It looks like a big city. And every yeah, time I looked exactly. at it, like, it right. looks like the same damn church. <laughs> <That's the same. laughs> this is the thing that made you angry? They had a fake Washington Square kind of there in the middle. Yeah. Which, which was then removed yep. and they would have they literally had like fake film crews out yeah pretending to shoot stuff which yeah ludicrous there's no film in those cameras it was just like did they really push. yeah it, it was like, like opening day you saw that yeah it was worse than what they do at indiana jones stunt spectacular it's too bad the cameras you know I mean? were plastic they were, right. i wish it was plastic. real well again it was it was this whole illusion come be behind the scenes see but like how you did you at the time know they were fake of course oh yeah but the mcfarkles didn't the mcfarkles oh look they're making movies. yeah like we drive down from ohio we're all excited yeah i didn't think it was fake you guys just ruined it for me yeah, i mean <laughs> well here's the, you want to know the crappy part is that they pitched it as they were really making movies right, right. that's what okay, so they did kind of anybody right? who's even seen any movie production at all in their life knew that this was a, a bunch of crap right because seriously the cameras were like two-part vacuum plastic put together then <laughs> somebody wrote panavision on the side with a, a white marker right what? it was you terrible. know it <laughs> my was my wife made the obvious. camera for god's sake yeah the, the, it was the, obvious it was weird and that's why universal used to have the commercial on tv we're the only working Right. Mm. Movie studio in Central Florida. Right. Come ride the movies, you know, that kind of thing. Because they knew they didn't film That's what has there. it like go with, with the Indiana Jones because it, it can be a good show, but stop pushing the cameras around. Stop using the clapboard. Stop, you know, putting the fire out. I, I suppose it's all right. I suppose it's all right for to pretend. Have you ever watched but, the faces of people in the crowd? They're like, oh, my goodness, yeah. he just got hit. But yeah, it's it, it still fools people. It still does. It's I, funny I how the enjoy guy... the movie aspect yeah. of it because I think it's yes. so cool. If even if it's fake, so you pull down New York Street finally, and you you kind of get through, and as you come around to unload, there is the Ditmobile hanging out of a turning, yeah. churning. Yeah. And what is the Ditmobile? Oh yeah, for for those of you that aren't like decrepit like myself, <laughs> the Ditmobile was the uh, the vehicle used at the climax of the film Who Framed Roger Rabbit to uh, flatten Toontown. At that point, you would get off uh, get off the trams, and then uh, there wasn't the uh, the little museum section set up there yet. That came later. You'd kind of walk past a uh, a spinner from Blade Runner and like a car from Hardcastle and McCormick. <laughs> What? Yeah. Yeah, these are all. You, you know, lost me after Blade Runner. They're television props. No. Yeah, this is well, really Blade Runner. Now, at this point, you're like an hour into a three-hour tour, and there is no way to stop this 
and go back to the front whenever you want to to do something else. They, That's right. You, you couldn't choose. Yeah. They have warned you that once you go on this, it's like you're going to be there for the next three and a half hours. Come hell and, or high water. And the model they the model they were working off of is the Universal Studios Hollywood tour, which is like that. It's like a six hour tram tour that takes you from attraction to attraction and stop right. to stop. Is that correct? That people have been on it. I yeah, I, I have been. It wasn't quite that long, but it was it was a tram tour through the back lot, through different things. They take you through the. Um, I was there in ninety seven or ninety five. I forget. You go through this tunnel that rotates, but yeah, it, and then there's a walking portion of it. But they were trying to mimic that, you know, and 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 reproduce it in their in, in Disney fashion. The real studio tour from Hollywood well, well, yeah, because that's how going to point out what do you go what, what you go through next again. Simulate. I believe there was a bathroom stop. Though, oh yeah, right? yeah. There, there was there was a chance because there you was a restaurant. The... <laughs> there were bathrooms. Yeah. Uh, the bathrooms Gift are over shop. by the uh, by the spl- <laughs> by the splash uh, right. fountain. Because if you ever got separated from your group, you could always wait for the next group tour to come through and, and hop with them too. They're always yeah. Places. That sounds awful. Just ride with perfect strangers. Don't get me started. <laughs> and then this whole like the there's an outside part of this that is all themed to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So there's a bunch of little like little outdoor undercover shops where you get like a souvenir photo where they'll like put you in the picture with like Roger Rabbit. There's like a bunch of um, like gag. It's supposed to be like Marvin Acme's warehouse. So there's a bunch of like gag stuff hanging from the ceiling and you can buy whoopee cushions and stuff from a little store. You remember you'd follow his footprints to the next part of the tour. That's right. That's right. They had, they had the pink pink footprints on the ground and you'd follow them along to the next part there's a uh... also they had those boxes mm-hmm. they oh, open the yeah. box and it made the noise that's right you know, like, <laughs> i've got some good footage of that actually yeah and uh i'm trying to think if there's anything else back there was like this uh a, oh a place where a safe had fallen from the ceiling and you could kind of like put your body as a photo op so you could put your body under the yep. impact zone of the that, safe to that's look like from the movie crushed yeah dropped a safe on his head <laughs> and then uh, I was trying to think. But there was there was a chalk outline of Roger Rabbit with his head under the safe, like in the movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> the first thing was the the water. We just need two more things. One explosions. Provide my water cannons, and two an unsuspecting volunteer actor brought to me by the new group's tour guide, Patrick. And you survived the air attack, dead duck. Steve's really shaking him up. Now, to make this a little more believable, I'm going to add some wind. Scott's going to add the rain, and you're going to add the sound. When I count to three, I want you to yell, dump it. Ready? One, two, three! Great. Yeah, with the battleship scenes, right? And then they they chose someone out of the audience to go stand in that that tugboat cabin. A couple right. people, I feel right. like, and that. they it it was and based big water thing fell on them. The right, mis- it was the misfortune. The misfortune, and it was based the, yeah. the original <laughs> films, which show stuff from the Poseidon Adventure, I believe, or or some some film before they changed it to Pearl Harbor. They changed it to Pearl Harbor in the it late. It was the it was the same thing. They cut it all together, and you watched the video. Yeah, it was the same concept. Uh, so then oh, after, after you did all that stuff, then it was time for you to like finally get back into the air conditioning. And the next place that you'd walk into was the special effects, uh, workshop and the shooting stage. 
Uh, and I think this was probably the the one thing that we were finally like, all right, this this actually turned out to be kind of cool because <laughs> yeah, worth it. you would you would after again after we're waiting outside this like you would actually start up walking up these stairs and be on the backside of this like metal shed building, watch a couple videos, and they would let you into their like special effects workshop. And the the cool thing about that at the time is it was just filled. Mm-hmm. With all kinds of models and props from Disney Productions, and also stuff that was at Epcot. So there was everything from the um, from the ships from uh, Body Wars, like on a table. Yep. Um, they had the Cygnus and the Pegasus from the Black Hole hanging up on the rafters. They had some of the prop guys of the the Dead Salesmen from the Monster Sound Show. Uh, it was just filled with stuff. It was great because they they basically went around Walt Disney World property, and you know some from Hollywood or wherever they shot this stuff, and just try to fill st- like spaces with props. You know, so you'd see a pirate head, or you'd see you know a bunch of hands, <laughs> animatronic hands yeah. hanging around. There was one other place on property built around the same time that they did the same thing. Can anyone name it? Uh, no. Just the center building. That's all I can the think of. Comedy Warehouse in Pleasure Island. Uh, they oh, yeah. they loaded the walls there. They were like gates, just like that, and and it was just filled with signs and props and ride rejected parts and stuff that was just filled filled to the to the rafters with that stuff. That is true. And now it's all worth a billion dollars. Right. <laughs> yeah. At that time, it was just like, oh, we're not using this. This isn't worth anything. Yeah, throw it out. <laughs> So, so we got through there. I can't remember what they demonstrated in that first room. At that I point. I I, re- I remember what that was. Um, I have that on film from from the same trip in in July August '89. Uh, it was Honey I Shrunk the kids. They yeah, had that's the right. Bee, and they would choose two kids from the audience, and this is where they used the green screen. And they so would that was in the second. Blue. That was in the second room. But you're right. I I think the first room was also about Honey I Shrunk the Kids, and then they like took you into the next. Room. Oh, that's that's right. They had the. You know what it was? They had the uh, the shrinking gun was there, and it would do some funny things and turn around and turn on, and then then they'd oh, purge you into the other so one. Awesome. Um, yeah, they reenacted the bee flying through the. Uh, yeah. Uh, the yard scene, and then I, I remember, remember that. that. My phone in front of a blue screen. Later, we could make the blue disappear and replace it with any background that we like. It was this process that enabled actor Bob Hoskins to drop into the cartoon world of Roger Rabbit. And now we're going to create a little blue screen magic of our own. Action! Rolling! Oh, look at that! Like screen, guys! Oh, that's great! Keep it up! As you see, our piece stays stationary on the floor. But if you look at the monitors, you can tell it's our computer-controlled camera, panning, tilting, and zooming to give me the illusion of flight. Oh, wait, cut, cut, cut. Christopher, can you set it up for a second take, please? Guys, we gotta talk. You're flying through the backyard on the back of this giant bee. You can fall off at any time. It's a life or death situation, and you're both smiling. <laughs> this is a scary scene. Yeah, and the kids, the bee was pretty big. It was like maybe, I don't know, eight feet long or so. And it was, it was big enough for a kid to hang off yeah, of it. Yeah, and they'd strap the kid in, and they'd have a green screen, and the camera would was on this gantry of this dolly that would go up and down and around to simulate the movement and then they would put it all together and show you what the film looked like and then when that was over the automatic doors would open and you'd walk through it and if i remember correctly i seem to recall that there was just one level you were look you were up high looking down into this right. prop area yep and the, looking down the, onto the 
Mickey in the camera. Right. They were kind of like in a pit and then you were yep. up on the, the sides looking down. And I think that camera was actually built for the black hole. Oh, really? It was a Disney developed their own motion control system called Aces, which was kind of going up against uh, Dijkstra's Dice Reflex camera that was developed mm-hmm. for uh, for Star Wars. <laughs> so Dijkstra did their computer control camera and Disney's like, okay, we're going to make one of those. And I think that's the thing that ended up at Disney M Studios for that, uh, for oh, that wow. show. So how at this point you move to the two por- the one portion of it that really gets my go. Yeah, we're moving on to your happy land now. Oh, the sound stages. Now I have in front of me what it said on the original specially designed stages that you're looking on movies and television shows in yeah. production. Right. But if that's not going on, <laughs> if that's not going on, look. Then we're going to show of... you this other thing. Right. Well, now, there were two, <laughs> to, to be fair, the intent when they built it was in fact to have. Oh, yeah working production facilities, yep. develop them on the East Coast. Um, as another, you know, the, the, the lifespan of, of that concept of the park, I mean, literally lasted weeks before they just abandoned it and, right. and, and had to fix other things. So your ire, while no doubt real, yes. may not necessarily be well-placed for it I mean, being a ruse of some oh, sort. Oh, I know. No, I knew it never was a ruse, but... They what did shoot the Mickey Mouse Club in there for they did, a while. They, I was and say Hulk Hogan show, Thunder in Paradise, and <laughs> a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. I did. I did see Will Fortune being there, being filmed. Mm-hmm. Yes, Jack made a couple appearances down there. So, uh, but how um, I mean, you'll you'll tell about the Bette Midler area. So yeah. So so after you go through, so, so the one thing that they're doing is is trying to set you up, and legitimately they're they're trying to give people an idea of how films are made, which was still kind of a mystery to most people at that time. So they actually did a really good job of trying to explain the production process. They'd show you the sound stages. Uh, and they had they actually had like curtains that they could pull across the windows. So if they were filming something they didn't want people to see, you'd literally be stuck just watching like a video and you couldn't look down and see anything going on. So then uh, the next thing to do was to explain the post-production process. And in order to do that adequately, they actually uh, they would <laughs> they would start you walking down from the upper level of the tour, like sort of back down to ground floor, and you'd pass by all the things that you just saw filmed in that movie. So they had, uh, there's a scene where they go into the subway and they have this like one quarter of a subway car on a track that you can see. And they've got the pigeon statue and they've got part of the interior of her, of her apartment there. So you could kind of see like, Oh, that stuff is really fake. And then uh, once you got back down to the bottom floor, you started walking through the post-production area which is run by a company called The Post Group. They would have videos in each section to go over things like Foley, and they have a Foley pit there. You could look through the window and see like uh, where people would they'd, like pull that thing open. They'd have gravel and different stuff, but they would have someone sort of like demonstrate uh, how that worked. Um, trying to think, they did some stuff with editing, but the really the really surprising funny one after all the straight stuff was this one with Pee Wee Herman and Mel Gibson, <laughs> Thank <you>. where. <laughs> They, I think that was the one that was about editing. And first they show, was it Daryl Hannah? Somebody in Bill um, Gibson. I think so. And it looks yeah, like. Yeah, because she was, she was in Splash. Yeah. So, yeah. And it looks like they're running towards each other's arms. And then at yeah, the very like last the minute. Yeah, like classic yeah, scene. Like in a wheat field or something. <laughs> and then at the end. And then they switch places. <laughs> yeah. And then it's Pee Wee Herman, like running into the arms of Mel Gibson and hugging. 
I remember waking up after stumbling along there for three and a half hours and seeing that part, and I was like, ah, "That's hilarious!" <laughs> yeah, that was good. It was. And then, uh, and then I think then after that, they would walk you into the Walt Disney Theater and show you a preview of like whatever the next movie that was coming out. Yeah. Which was which was noticeable because it actually had a, a pre-show movie with Michael Eisner and Mickey that had some really funny, weird gags in it. Yeah, I saw that on YouTube recently. <laughs> Somebody has that whole thing. Oh, excellent. And he's he's like totally ruling Michael Eisner. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you come over here, whatever, you know. <laughs> there's there's a point where Mike's Just being his boss. Yeah, Eisner says like Mickey, we gotta go, and he like looks down at his watch and he's got a Mickey Mouse watch. And then Mickey goes yep. looks at his watch <laughs> oh, yeah. and he's got a Michael Eisner watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gotta make a limited edition Michael Eisner. Yeah, I want a Michael oh, Eisner yeah. watch watch yeah. now. And then they they go into the movie theater to watch the screening of the movie that you're gonna watch. And Chernabog from Night on Bald Mountain and Fantasia is sitting in front of him and he like like do the big music thing. And Eisner says something like, Hey, 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 you down in front. And he turns around and goes, Sorry. Sorry, Mr. Eisner. Oh boy, my favorite seat. Uh oh. Uh excuse me, do you mind? Excuse me, will you sit down, please? You're blocking our view. Sorry, Mr. Eisner. Excuse me. It'll never happen again. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That was funny. Again, after yep. after all day, it was like, oh, right. Finally, something entertaining. So, so are you done this tour yet, or like, is that the conclusion? Yes, that is the that conclusion the end, of right? the tour. And then finally, after three and a half hours, you're left let out of the sunlight again. Unfortunately, there are bathrooms right there at the exit. Right, and they dumped you out right, uh, right, uh, right back into the courtyard. It was- it was called the Soundstage Restaurant. When okay, it opened, yeah. it was big business, a Lily Tomlin, Bette Midler movie. Yeah, it, here's the description from It went on to Beauty and the Beast. I know yeah, that. Yeah. And Aladdin after I took that. A ton of pictures in there, yeah. And, and those camels that are in Adventureland now came from in front of that restaurant. Oh, yeah. During the, during the Aladdin thing. And they used to spit at you just the same way they do now. So maybe at this time we finally decided to let's go on the great movie ride. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Yeah, well, the line was like five hours long. Oh, really? You know, so Out it's no door? wonder we didn't run right there. Yeah, we were. I think we realized later on we just should have got on that right away because. Yeah, it was horrible. I mean, I mean, that line was yeah. down the street. <laughs> So it was out the main entrance, I take it? Yeah, it was and really. Then, now, on the concrete there, was the, all the, the handprints there? Or weren't they, didn't they come as the park was open? Was it like blank? Some of them, I think. Yeah, there were a few there, but not a lot. Okay. Because, yes, they did this thing where they had a star a day, which was really yeah, yeah. like a star every week. <laughs> <laughs> and they would they would bring in some Hollywood star to put their hands in the concrete. Uh, and then they'd give a little speech out in the middle. I think I have uh, a handout of like the day Pat Morita was there from Happy Days. <laughs> Warren Beatty, and then an hour later, Dick Tracy did his handprints too. Yeah, of course, Pat Midler. Pat Midler with a lottery ticket pressed into it. <laughs> yeah. Kiss marks on the cement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today we're 
pleased to welcome our special guest stars, Steve Allen and Jay Meadows. You are invited to follow along to the Chinese theater for a very special hand imprint ceremony with our guest stars just moments from now. Please join us. Thank you. So you got in there finally. Now, was the waiting area all like decked out with the props like it is now? Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, that really hasn't changed at all. Alien the meat, the movie. Yeah, alien props. Uh, oh. Wizard of Oz props to like match up with what was inside. Yeah. And, Ma and Mary Poppins, like some costumes yep. from Mary Poppins. Okay. Um, no, so you I, went, go ahead. I was going to say, I know we're not going to go through the, the whole attraction. We're going to save that for another show. But being through it now as you, as you have and going through it in the very first day, I know I was there a couple months after opening. I can't think of anything other than the movie clips that have drastically changed. Uh, and the Footlight Parade girls still aren't going around in I circles. I think I saw them go around once. No, I was going to say, the thing is, like, everything worked. Yeah, <laughs> like, every, right. Yeah. <laughs> it was exactly like today, except everything actually functioned. So the when you're in Footlight Parade, it's like, those girls spun around on that turntable and it shot water out of it. Yeah, there was water. Yeah, there was water a there was a wall of water that came down. Yeah. So uh so that was functional. And they weren't even animatronic. They were just just mannequins. Right. Which yeah. which but was they, not so bad when they were spinning when around. They had, right. Now they just look yeah. so silly. But when they're just sitting there, it looks yeah. fake as hell. Yeah. And the bubbles were all coming down, you know. That's yep. right. And they were doing that whole uh I don't know what you know, whatever it was. Like a Lawrence Welk. Um no, who, who was it? Buzz, Busby Berkeley. Oh, yeah, yeah, Busby Berkeley. Buzz, yeah. I've stage 50 thing. musical comedies, and I'll stage 50 more. I remember, too, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. in a lot of the uh, commercials that they did, they would always show the scene from Alien with it coming out of the ceiling and these people, you know, basically jumping out of their pants, um, how scary it was. And I, I remember very one of my earlier trips back after it opened, the thing wasn't even working. I mean, another thing that, that never seemed to work right or never got timed right with the cars going. Well, I'd, I'd say in the last five or six years, there's like a whole lot of stuff that wasn't working. And, and okay, so at the time, I mean, we'll put aside the, like, whatever you personally think about the show. But oh, like, yeah. But we're finally, like, in a show where there's some stuff happening. So we got... Again, we have no idea what's going on. So, like, we rolled through that gangster scene and we're like, oh, yeah, okay, this is going to be cool. There's some gangsters in the, the car talking to each other. And then we just keep going, like, past them. Yeah. And we're like, what just happened? <laughs> we didn't get it. We didn't get it. I don't think people still get it. Right, right. That it separates. Yeah. Because we're that, like, what the, the hell? The tour and audio does The guy burns up too, up right? there trying to grab the jewel. And we're like, so? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's think, what he gets. Oh, and then our guide jumps back in the car. Yeah. So we, oh, we, there st we, go. we stopped at the cowboy section. So they started going through the cowboy stuff. And yeah. at that time, that uh, that part of the room where the fire shoots out of, it wasn't covered with like ten years of black soot, so you could tell what was going right. on. Right, right. And yeah, it looked good. Yeah, and to this point, like up until this day in 1989, 
there has been no Disney attraction that has fire explosions, like anything jarring. It's like the worst that nope. would happen is you would go through like a fake asteroid storm and your seats would shake. So when that fire explosion went off and was hot, we were just like, what the? <laughs> yeah, and I remember saying to you, we talked about it. They should put that in Pirates. Yeah. Definitely. Because, right. Like, the whole burning the, the whole burning village part should have that. Yeah. Because it was that impressive. It was, it was really hot. <laughs> it was super hot. Uh, so you get through there. And now here's here's one I keep trying to, trying to remember, but I can never remember correctly. Dave, do you remember when you went, you go past that, like, absolutely horrible sculpt of Sigourney Weaver and Alien? This is Alien. You are with Sigourney Weaver aboard the spaceship The Like, yep. I I don't even know how that's supposed to be Sigourney Weaver, but it's supposed to be Sigourney Weaver. Did her flame th- was her flamethrower functional on opening day? Did it have like the little pilot light coming on of it? No, not that I remember. No. Okay. Was there stuff dripping down? In the hallway yes. behind her? Okay. Yeah, there sure was. It was um, that glycol mixture, you know, like like a, uh, the, you know, the clear gel. Yep. But it's food safe, and they use it in all the animatronics now. Okay. But, yeah, it used to drip down really cool. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. like slime when you were a kid, and you bought a can of slime, you know, except it went green. But, yeah, it used to drip down all the time. It doesn't anymore? I don't think it does now. Can't recall from like, I remember seeing it, but I can't recall what the one overhead, the one behind Sigourney Weaver. Oh, yeah, like right behind her. It was yeah. There's a big hole in the floor. Yeah, or the ceiling. Yeah, above her. Yeah, and the pump pump. It's really cool. Well, it's it's yeah. That still drums. That still drops all the snot and everything down. Okay. (laughs) Um. Yeah, that was really cool. How how do you remember the time after the park opened? Me and you were like walking around. And we just decided, hey, let's open this door. I don't even remember where we were. Let's open this door and see where it goes. And we opened it up, and there's Sigourney Weaver. We were right in the ride, and a vehicle just went by, and there was no alarm, no nothing. So we got in. We we walked in, and we shut the door. And we're standing there, and we're looking right at her while she's doing her thing. And then on we, you. Then we then we look over there and we see the the next tram coming, you know, the next car load of people, and we're like, now oh, we ought to go. <laughs> it, it's like one of those, uh, like a Naked Gun movie or a Muppet movie, where they open a door and there's some crazy thing going on behind it, and they <laughs> yeah, close it was the door. Totally stupid. We were just trying to see where doors went, went yeah. and we opened it, and there she was, and we're just standing there watching her. <laughs> And they're like, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe we ought to shut and get out of here. <laughs> the one thing that was really impressive at that time, though, was the Wicked Witch figure because yeah, Disneyland had the new figure uh, in Pirates uh, at, for the auctioneer, but we had never seen that. We never had what is that the A one thousand? Yeah, yeah, we hadn't had that in Florida. So when that came up and started doing the thing, we were just amazed. Who killed my sister? Who killed the Witch of the East? Was it you? No, no, I didn't kill anybody. That was an accident. Well, my little pretty, I can cause accidents too. Oh, Rose, you have no power here. Be gone. 
before somebody drops a house on you. Very well. I'll buy my time. And still to this totally day, it's amazing. still one of the one of the best that they've that they've done. Yeah, you know, it's, it's still so fluid. I mean, yeah, you, you Ursula and a couple others now that are a little more fluid, but still that that held, it's held through time very well. It was su- super impressive for that yep. time period. Super impressive. Yeah, it it really made the wait worth the while to go. You know, ride the great movie ride and wait two hours or whatever. And then you see that it's like, man, I think holy the, crap. I think my grandparents thought it was an actor. <laughs> I remember Probably. my grandmother saying something like, "Oh, that woman's got to do that a lot during the day, huh?" So, so then I think after that we finally went over to Echo Lake and went over to see uh, what we could of Indiana Jones. So, to answer the listener's question, yes, it was Indiana Jones from the beginning. But yep. the, the deal was the show was not ready for production. So it was billed as a sneak preview of rehearsals for the show. So That's right. So we piled in there, and the only part that we saw, I think, that day was the um, the Nazi plane and uh, yeah. them having the fight. Yeah, the flying wing, yep. and it, it swings around. Yeah, and he has to drop through that hole oh, that's in, right. the, in the floor when it hits him or whatever. I mean, wow. they, and they, yeah. I, I believe that the airplane, too, there was a trap door that would open on the airplane, yeah. and, and, and portions of a fake fabric would, you know, would blow up uh, exactly. in the air to simulate exactly. him getting hit. Yeah. So I don't think they ever ran the first half of that show almost until, like, super late 1990 or 1991 because every time we went after that they were always running the back half of that show i i yep. did see the full show and i'm gonna tell you right now when that was i i have the whole thing recorded uh, and that was from and it was august 89 oh, okay and again the explosions it's like so now it's probably 4 30 or so in the afternoon and we have been like exploded on multiple times. It's already hot out. It's even fiery. So I think that's when we finally decided, let's go to that bar and get a drink. Because not only, not only, <laughs> you know, most Epcot, even at its most exciting was like kind of relaxing and the same thing with the magic kingdom. And then right. this, it, like, all day long, it's just, like, <laughs> adrenaline, adrenaline, adrenaline. So, so we were, like, we were had it. It's like we went up and got a drink. And uh, I happened to turn 21 on April 30th, so I actually purposely held out <laughs> so I could have my first legal alcoholic beverage at the Catwalk Bar. Uh, nice. You knew that was nice. going to be there? I think so, yeah. Or we took it. I don't know. Something happened where I was just like, "All right, that's it. We're doing this." Yeah. So. Hell with it, man. Drink up. <laughs> so so we went in there and we're just sweaty and hot and tired and 
we're like, finally, it's air conditioned. It's like we got a drink. It's like we're relaxing. And sure enough, it's like two of the Street Miss Beer performers from, uh, from like Hollywood oh, yeah. come in just start. Blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, just please leave us alone. Go away. I think everybody was like that. There were too many of them. They're in character. And they kept trying the to come up and make you part of the show or something. And, you know, I don't like that crap myself. And I was like, go away. It was really in your face at that point. Like, incredibly yeah. in your face all day too long. Much. Way too much. So In the bar. Yeah, in the bar while you're sitting down and just trying to cool off. And I think I have my opening day book. So the the only like we didn't bother to watch the stage show so like when you when you came in on the right hand side which is the the cut down that now takes you to sunset boulevard there was a huge uh, not a huge but like a, a stage there where they would do a live stage show um and in this opening uh booklet they don't even say what the name of the stage is they don't describe the show. It just says a lively song and dance stage show featuring movies about the movies <laughs> featuring Disney characters. We'll figure something out. You know? So what time did you guys get out of there after that? That, that pretty much wraps up the whole park though. Right? I left early. You did. Yeah. Cause what was it closed? I mean, I remember years ago they did close early. It was one of the earlier closing parks. I think it did they have the fire, sorcery in the sky fireworks then? No, it closed at like no. six. It they like, didn't have any yeah. fireworks over the nope. over the Chinese theater. Hey, they didn't even know if three cars were going to show up, let alone stay stay open till seven. So yeah, yeah, that's true. You, that that's important too because they really didn't do it up big. You know, they didn't put on a big show for everybody, and I think that's the part that we're weirded out about. It's like we're waiting in line. And there's three cars in the middle of the night. And then we get in there, and it was crowded, but I wouldn't say not any more than a summer day now, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you, we just went home. There was no no nothing. I left early, and Helen was like, yeah, man, you going home? I said, yeah. <laughs> That's the end of that. Yeah, so. And we just went home, and that was it. It was that was it. We literally anything that was a like a real show or attraction that day, we did it in that one day. That was it. So I mean, after all day long, I mean, I think I had an okay time, but I think Dave mostly hated it. <laughs> I, I did. I did. I don't know why. I expected more. I don't. Somehow. Well, if I was with you, you know? I really would have been the grump. So. Well, well, in the park. I mean, the park was devoid of thrill rides that even Universal Studios Hollywood has some built. I, I think they, you know, even even I don't get into thrill rides. But I it, mean, it's a small world is my favorite ride ever, you know. But they they didn't engage me. They pretended to be a, a studio, and they're not. Right, right. Or they weren't. They weren't. And and, I and think, it really made me angry because I was like, "Come on, <laughs> what are you? Are you filming?" here or not <laughs> you know and looking back and i'm gonna say it because we me and how were in art school together we were animators i mean we made our own cartoons in art school they weren't disney style but we were doing our own thing and uh we really hoped that florida would be you know florida wood or whatever whatever you're calling it because we we wanted to have the first animation studio there you know, so it was important to see that park, 
and to see it just be a fake was like, wait a minute, what the hell? This is not New Hollywood. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I mean, this whole Florida East concept was was not only pitched, you know, to the state. You know, but to us in school, too, of like, you know, this is where you're going to have your opportunity. You don't have to go to California. It's like this whole industry is going to get built up here. You know, this is the future. It's like you will there will be, you know, television and film production jobs that you can do right here in the Sunshine State. And it lasted. And we we were going to be the first animation studio in the new Hollywood. Yep. Right. You know, outside of Disney, because we were already doing it. And. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was quite a disappointment. You, I mean, you go through the whole place and you see fake cameras everywhere. Oh, well, let, like, let's be oh, fair, oh. too. I mean, <laughs> Universal went through a very similar identity crisis. Probably yeah. not, as, not yeah. as deep. Oh, but, it was you know, terrible. I, I remember visiting there in 91, you know, a year after it opened. And while I didn't feel the same, um, you know, to, toward, towards Universal as I did for, to, to Disney MGM Studios, you could certainly see that the what they were doing was only going to last a certain period of time. And I, I was yeah. down there a year ago too, and there's still tricklings of that left over today, just as it is at that that uh, Hollywood there Studios. Are. Yeah, I, I went into was it a disaster or whatever, and they're like, "Oh, we're going to film this together," and you know, <laughs> yeah. like, no, dude, no. no. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> it's, it's not working. It was. I understand why they went with like a lot of live stage shows and a lot of theater formats, but you know, I think people really had come to expect rides yeah. as part yeah. of Disney, and I mean, it, it, they had one. Both of those parks, Universal included, were were at a time when I think the theme parks were starting to change to morph into what they are now. All right. Well, big thank you to Howe and uh, Hoot Gibson for coming on and and giving us a great rundown of the very first days of uh, Disney MGM Studios. But it is time to move on to listener mail. And uh, JT, you ran out to the mailbag. You got lots of things coming in this month. I will say it has been picking up. So thanks to everybody for writing in to uh, podcast at RetroDisneyWorld.com. But uh, JT, you've picked a couple out here you want to go over this month, right? Yeah, lots of mail. Very, very exciting. We thank you for that. Uh, First one I have here is from Kurt. He says, my question has to do with your podcast about the first half of the World of Motion Pavilion. Many of the pictures of the individual sections of the ride, such as the train robbery area, seem to be taken from some sort of book or magazine. They appear to be models of the actual attractions. Um, could you let me know? Please let him know what that is. Yeah. Um, thanks for writing, Kurt. That they actually came from – my recollection is there's actually two books that these came from. One of them is Walt Disney's Epcot Center, which is a fantastic publication. That that thing's huge, right? How that's about like two two hundred some two three hundred pages. It's massive. It's massive. Yeah. yeah, and they and they published that into the nineties. I mean, right. there were different versions of it that that they continued to update and publish it. Right. So if you if you go on eBay, you can certainly uh, find that. Just put in Walt Disney's uh, um, Epcot Center. The uh, the other one I, I'd have to check on this. I believe there are some pictures of the models in the preview edition of Epcot. Um, it was also uh, given out as a Magic Kingdom Club. We touched on that a number of uh, episodes ago. Uh, I went through that. So if you look at any of the very early um, Epcot uh, souvenir uh, pictorial souvenirs, um, you'll you'll find that uh, some of the pictures in there as well. There's a little more artwork than pictures of the model in that one. So. So uh, thanks for writing in, Kurt, and uh, hope- hopefully you'll be able to find a, a copy of that book for your collection. 
Next mail I got was from a guy named Gordon, and actually he uh, tweeted at us. Is that right? Yeah, he tweeted yeah. at us, and um, he did an early morning centurium smell check. I feel like this should be a weekly <laughs> or weekly, monthly segment. Monthly you know, um, he says no stench, but his son does say it smells like a bunch of shirts. <laughs> um, and then they did a check in the PM in the evening, and uh, a big stench in the breezeway leading to the seas. So. That's the uh, Centurium smell check. And, you know, I, a couple people, I think, uh, was that this month where they said, uh, you know, they, they were sending us random pictures of stuff. We got the, what did we get those pictures of in uh, Fantasyland? The, right. Oh, the weather vanes. Yeah. yeah. You know, it was cool. To, somebody was saying, what else do you want to see? And it was cool just to get that quick, like. Yeah, that know. was uh, from our film a month ago that we did. Uh, mm -hmm. From this, There was a shot from the Skyway, and we right. were wondering if those ornate weather vanes were still on top of some of the fantasy land buildings and it turns out that they are yeah yeah like we had a, a man on the scene or woman on the scene type thing just well, i really love they have a there's a there's a sailing ship one on top of uh the columbia harbor house there's a there's a sailing ship weather vane so so yeah that's you know and if you have any mail any questions um anything about our episodes anything you want to know podcast at retrodisneyworld.com you can tweet at us you can uh, ask us a question directly on facebook you can even um, send us an Instagram message, however you want to do it. Um, we're out there, easy to contact. Yep. Well, thanks a lot, JT, and we'll uh, look forward to any additional uh, listener mail over the next month. So uh, for those listeners out there, uh, you may have noticed a little bit of audio clarity improvement on this month's episode. Uh, I can officially report now that thanks to all of your support on our uh, T-shirts and uh, other merchandise that we offer on our Redbubble shop that uh, we have fully been able to equip everybody with new microphones, new headsets, and I uh, hope that this brings you a much more clear episode every month. Um, as always, we're still sending out an, uh, invitations to purchase some additional new designs. Hal's got his Illumination shirt up. So if you ha have any interest in uh, taking a look at all the different products that, that we've put up, We've got T-shirts, we've got Hydrolator stickers, uh, we've got Retro Disney World stickers, and the the best-selling one, Brian. What's the best-selling shirt right now? Oh, the electrical water pageant uh, dragon. That's right. Uh, that is one of big house. seller. It's the consistently top. big seller. Top, top back designs. to school, we had sold some pencil pouches and things yeah. like that. Oh, wow. So be the cool kid in school. Yeah. You know, we've you seen got some the... notebooks go through. So. Um, now, how you've got your Illumination shirt release, which is uh, the last day to purchase that, I believe, is August 31st, right? That's, that's right. That's uh, yep. through our friends at, uh, at Imperial Shirt Company. It's a silkscreen shirt, uh, three colors, anvil, super high quality, super awesome. So go check that one out. Yep. Bear in mind, complete redesign. Put the, yes, it the, was a... the buildings in order. That's, that's right. the key. Order. That's right. <laughs> Never... I'm inspired by a by a 1980s Epcot napkin, and then I just realized that the buildings were not the right skyline and in the incorrect order. So I, the anal so, attentive person in me, had to fix it all. Right. Yeah. If people are trying to navigate their way around World Showcase and using your T-shirt as a guide, they're going to find work. their way yeah, around. Yeah. They're not going to end up in World Showcase Lagoon by accident. That sale ends, so if you need that for a Christmas gift, you better get it now because it'll right. get yeah. too late in December. If you'd like to get your own uh, Illuminations t-shirt, you need to order by August 31st. Just head to RetroDisneyWorld.com forward slash Illuminations, and that will take you right to the shop. For anything else, including the Hydrolator stickers and all the other good stuff, you can go to RetroDisneyWorld.com forward slash support us. Now, we do have one other 
uh, product coming out, and this is going to be released on the uh, same day that the podcast comes out. So this is a seven-day flash sale, and in honor of our guest tonight, Hoot Gibson, um, our silent partner, Jason, uh, the podcast who does, uh, does some of our graphics and behind-the-scenes video work, has created a Mesa Verde University logo T-shirt. And uh, this is, uh, we're going to open up for student registrations. And for seven days, you'll be able to put your order in for a Mesa University T-shirt. It's got the official seal. And uh, we'll also have the official um, Latin translation of the school's uh, motto. And the school's motto is, send us your child. And in seven years, we return a farmer. So, um Hoot, I, I know you're going to be lining up to buy a couple of these, right? Oh, man, I, I think it's great. Yep. I think it's great. Yeah. I think that the, the image you sent me of the T-shirt yeah. is absolutely incredible. So I think it's send... funny as hell. I, mean, I, I would wear it. I'm going to buy it. Yeah. And if you wear it and you go to Epcot yeah. and you go to Mission Space, somebody there is going to go, Oh wow, it's rising. So it's, it's awesome. a cool yeah. shirt. It looks cool. We're we're gonna Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so... there's not enough cool merchandise about horizons. It never had its own. That's right. You know, when you went to Epcot, you didn't you didn't you didn't buy anything with horizons on it. That's true. So if you're interested in getting your own Mesa Verde T shirt, head over to retrodisneyworld.com forward slash MVU, and that will take you to our Teespring site. Again, it's only seven days, and uh, if all the sales go well and things look good, look for the MVU University store to open up on Redbubble with all sorts of other great MVU merchandise. So, All right. Um, it is time to go back to the order rewind. And guys, remember last month we had three prizes to give away, and we're actually able to give away two out of the three this month. JT, you did not get somebody tweeting no, you a picture in so front of the... disappointing. I'm going to let it stand huh? another month. Okay, my... so explain to the listeners what, what, what you Very asked. Very quickly, I want a selfie shot of somebody rolling by the abandoned pirate ship on Discovery Island. Like right. as You can be on the boat. You don't have, don't swim out there. You don't No, have... yeah. It's water sprite, uh, ferry, whatever. Yeah. You roll by, snap the shot, put it right on the at Retro Disney World Twitter. Boom, done. You get the prize mailed to you. So we did have another uh, one-off prize that we gave out that was uh, what were the three shows before Illuminations? Um, and uh, we did have Andrew Toffoli write in. He got the correct answer. Uh, Carnival de Lumiere, uh, A New World Fantasy, and Laser Phonic Fantasy um, was the... He uh, was quick, too, wasn't he? He was quick, definitely very fast. So congratulations to Andrew. But going on to our Auto Rewind segment, let's take a listen to last month's Auto Rewind Puzzler. Everybody needs a All right, so the winner this month is Trevor Thornton, and Trevor correctly sent in the, the correct answer, which is the Astuter Computer Review from Communicore East Show, um, which was all about Computer Central. And we're going to certainly we, get We got that. a lot of correct yeah. answers yeah. this month. The amount of, the amount of uh, traffic that came in was huge on this. A lot of – probably the, I would say, guys, wouldn't you think the number one – uh, in, in terms of quantity of, of correct answers, so yeah, thank you. Happens to all a all lot of them. people that have a great big memory, like an elephant, no doubt. That's <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So, uh, how is uh, for this month was uh, for last month was giving away the book 
building a better mouse. So, uh, Trevor, congratulations. We'll get that off to you along with some retro Disney World stickers and a, uh, a little card signed by Howe as he sends that off to you so you get one of our autographs. Yes. Let's take a listen to this month's Audio Rewind and see if you know this one. All right, if you think you know the answer to this month's audio rewind, send your answers to podcast at retrodisneyworld.com. All answers should be received by September 14th, 2015. We will draw one winner from all correct answers entered. And uh, let's see, guys, do you have anything to give away this month? What's, what's got I got it. it. J- oh, oh, J- JT's bro, got it. JT's got going. his hand up. I'm super what excited to give what it this away. What do you got? What do you got? I have from Redbubble a Hydrolator number three uh, spiral notebook oh. for going back to school. So in the Redbubble box, brand yep. new. It's That's very the, cool. A retro Disney World Hal Bowers design. That's right. Yes. Hydrolator so you'll number three notebook. Get that with some stickers and some all for your Trapper Keeper, and you'll be ready to start the school year. Excellent. So if you know that answer and you want to win that, take a take a guess at it. Send your answers to podcast at retrodisneyworld.com. And again, we'll pull out one correct answer to win that prize. And every entry will be entered into uh, the big prize drawing in December 2015 for a replica Paul Hartley map from wdwmap.com. We've had a, a great uh, episode this month and talking to Hoot and Howe, um, and we're not going to do a complete film restoration review um, just in the interest of the time, but I did want to speak to a topic. Uh, Brian and I are constantly scouring different sources for different films, um, uh, both 8mm, 16mm, whatever we can find um, out there. And uh, we've picked up a couple new ones that will be coming out in the, in the next uh, month, two months or so, but we were able to acquire some very rare uh, 16 millimeter films, and um, we are, we do need some help to restore. Um, it's very expensive to do 16 millimeter, and these films are, are so rare. There's no digital prints available of them anywhere um, that we want to make sure that we put them through the best possible uh, uh, treatment in terms of digital restoration and getting them into the computer. Um, everything we've done so far in the film restoration has been out of our own time and money. And uh, so this, we've, we've actually set up a, an account at Patreon. Uh, and the way that this works is it's kind of like a Kickstarter or Indiegogo for uh, those that are producing media uh, and producing something for, for, uh, for consumption of that nature. So we do have um, different rewards that go with different pledges, uh, starting at $5 and going all the way up to, to 250 Our goal is to try to reach a thousand dollars, and we also already almost a tenth of the way there. Um, so thanks to everybody who has who has pledged so far. Uh, but w- with the different pledges, there's not only thank yous right here uh, called out live on the on the Retro Disney World podcast, but uh, we'll also be giving away um, uh, some Epcot coasters. We've got. Uh, uh, ability to hear these episodes ahead of time, ability to watch our restored films before public release. So if you can, um, if there's anything that you can do to help us out and help us reach our goals so that we can get these rare Walt Disney World 16mm films out to the public, we'd greatly appreciate it. So uh, if you can, visit us at retrodisneyworld.com forward slash films and uh, let us know, uh, you know if, you, if you can help support us. So we do have some supporters I want to call out. Um, I have uh, four people here. I've got Madigan. I apologize. There was no last name there, though. John Cox, Slade Bailey, and Giffen Knack. So thank you very much to all of them for for their pledge. And 
you guys will be here in this podcast and and uh, taking a look at some of our videos and films uh, much before everybody else. So, and uh, so with that said, uh, Brian, you've got one other thing. You're going to be uh, at, at a show coming up, right? Uh, yeah, we are actually. It's exciting. It's our first live event, I guess. Uh, we're uh, Retro Disney World's going to have a table uh, at the RetroCon 2015, which is September, the weekend of September 12th and 13th in Oaks, Pennsylvania. It's in suburban Philadelphia at the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center. Uh, so if you are in the tri-state area or up for a long drive, uh, head down. Uh, I'll be there manning the table and have some people with me, and we'll uh, have some great Retro Disney World merchandise. Uh, we'll be selling some old stuff uh, from the parks. And uh, mostly what we're looking to do is promote, uh, this is one of the ways Todd just talked about our film restoration, uh, we're going to try to solicit people uh, who may have those 8mm, 16mm rare films, rare park items uh, to let us uh, possibly take a look and restore and, and spread the word about the Retro Disney World podcast. So September 12th and 13th in Oaks, Pennsylvania at the Greater Philly Expo Center, RetroCon 2015. Hope you'll come and stop by. That'll be great. Hopefully we can get a lot of people come out and see us. So. Um, all right, with that, well, let's uh, run into uh, some of our sponsors here. We do have some new ones this month. Um, for all your Walt Disney World and Orlando area attraction ticket needs, visit greatorlandodiscounts.com for less than gate prices. And also, brought to you by orlandovacation.com. These are vacation homes and discount hotels for the savvy Florida traveler. Also, wdwmap.com, where you can get a replication map, Paul Hartley map that used to hang in the Polynesian in contemporary years ago. Uh, if you're interested in sponsoring us, please email us at info at retrodisneyworld.com. As always, thank you very much to all of our listeners out there. If you can, give us a shout-out or a review on iTunes. As always, you can email us at podcast at retrodisneyworld.com. We love getting your email. We get a lot. We can't get everybody on the air, but we really do appreciate every everything that you send to us. Um, before we go out here, uh, Hoot, I think you, you want to tell everybody where they can find you and uh, some of your musings and uh, daily banter. Yeah, man. Uh, Facebook, Hoot Gibson. There Look it up. Um, everything I've ever done or all the pictures I've ever taken. So yeah. <laughs> come and yep. get it. And <laughs> stuff. Go, go there because you will absolutely see pictures of things that you will not find not, yeah. anywhere, yeah, else. It, anywhere else. We also had a lot of um, have a majority, I think, of your old blogs and uh, everything archived uh, and, and syndicated yep. on our site. So if you go to retrodisneyworld.com, sure just click Hoot's Loot and boy, there's enough reading material and photos there for, for yep. a few hours worth thank of you for that all right no problem well hoot i appreciate you joining us tonight and and sitting in the story was awesome and uh we hope to have you have you on again yes sir anytime you want excellent and brian with that take us out follow todd mccartney and retro disney world on twitter and instagram at retro wdw on facebook at retro disney world and for all things Retro Disney World, including exclusive merchandise, visit us on the web at RetroDisneyWorld.com. On Twitter, follow our hosts, Hal Bowers, at GoAwayGreen. For JT Couser at Hoagie's Garage. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook, at Brian P. Miles. On behalf of Disney MGM Studios, I'd like to thank you for joining us on The Great Movie Ride. Now, before we do wrap this production, we still have one more scene to do. It's called The Exit. 
The action begins with you remaining seated until we come to a complete stop. Then you gather all your personal belongings and take small children by the hand. Now once these doors open, you will rise dramatically to your feet, make a grand exit directly to the rear of the vehicle. Oh, and one more thing. When I yell action, don't forget the thunderous applause for your tour guide. Places everybody, and action!